Oh, Satan's greatest nightmare. Uh, Satan's greatest nightmare. And uh, so I hope you'll listen this morning and give us a good hearing. Let's all stand together for the reading of God's word, please. Matthew chapter 27. And we're going to start reading in verse number 50, 50. And we're going to read through verse number 66. All right, Matthew chapter 27. And starting in verse number 50, we'll read the verses responsibly. I'll read verse uh, 50, you read verse 51, I'll read 52, you read verse 53, etc. through uh, verse number 66. Matthew 27, verse number 50, Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost together. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake and the rocks rent. And the graves were opened. And many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God together. And many women were there beholding afar off, which followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering unto him among which was Mary Magdalene, and Mary, the mother of, uh, the mother of James and Joseph, and uh, the mother of Zebedee's children. When the even was come, there came a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who also himself was Jesus' disciple. He went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth. And laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock. He rolled a great stone uh, to the door of the sepulcher and departed. And there was Mary Magdalene and the other Mary sitting over against the sepulcher. Verse 62. And he said, Now the next day that followed, the day of the preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees came uh, together unto Pilate saying, Sir, we remember that that deceiver said, while he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. Command, therefore, that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say unto the people, He is risen from the dead. So the last error shall be worse than the first. Pilate said unto them, Ye have a watch. Go your way and make it as sure as ye can. In verse 66, let's read that together. Ready? So they went and made the supplicator sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. And he said setting a watch, that means they put soldiers outside to guard it. Let's pray here. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I pray that this morning uh, this would be a, uh, a help and, uh, to many. I pray that we leave excited and thrilled about a Savior that's alive. I pray we leave with more of a commitment to Christ. I pray that we leave with a, um, a strength and a loyalty, even till death. I pray that we'll leave this place as a mighty band of soldiers of Jesus and live for thee. Give us a great uh, meeting here together. Spirit of God, I pray that you speak to each heart individually. In Jesus' name, amen.
torch rays to the sky and all who see her know she stands for liberty for you and me stood across with my Lord raised to the sky and all who kneel there live forever as the saved can testify I'm so proud to be called a Christian to be named with the ransom and home as the statue liberates the citizen so the cross liberates the soul all the cross is my statue of liberty it was there that my soul Let's pray here. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bless this morning and the message. I pray that you'd use it, please. And we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Jesus was, had caused quite a stir uh, in his day. 
You know, everything was going fine as far as the world was concerned. There were really no problems as society back then that they were too desperately concerned about. Seemed like everything was just a-okay. But then all of a sudden, a, a concern quickly arose. And this concern was a, a little baby that was born in Bethlehem. And this little baby that was born in Bethlehem and was found in a manger out in some barn in the back quickly got the attention of many. People began to question who he was and what he was and why he was. Nobody quite knew yet all that he beheld other than maybe Mary and Joseph had a, somewhat of an idea. But this child would change the entire course of history because of his birth. He was the fulfillment of Scripture. As Scripture had talked about a child, a man-child that would be born, one that would bruise Satan's head, one that would uh, save the world, one that would um, uh, uh, raise from the dead, and so on. He was claimed to be the coming Messiah. He was the Savior of the world. You know, that first Christmas morning in Bethlehem's manger, the king that day, King Herod, was rattled. King Herod was quite bothered by the coming of this Savior. So much so that as the time went and other kings came and, and they came to, to seek for him. And as King Herod got, got word that these other kings and these other wise men were, were flocking to the, the, the area and they were seeking for someone. And when word got around back to the king, the King Herod, who they were looking for, they said, we're looking for this king of the Jews. King Herod got very concerned because all these kings are now following somebody else. He said, hold on a second. Wait a minute. I'm the king of the Jews. I'm the king of Jerusalem right now. Where are these people going? Oh, who are they following? Who, do they, who are they chasing? Who is it that they're claiming to be their new king? He got so concerned and so upset about it that, that these other kings are worshiping somebody else. That he even put out a, uh, got his soldiers together and, and put out a, a, a command that they kill all the children in the land two years and younger, trying to exterminate the risk of this baby becoming a king. Jesus, as he grew in stature and grew in wisdom and became a man, he brought a greater stir to the nation. I mean, people were going nuts. It was driving the unbelieving world crazy what was happening. I mean, here he is now, a, a man. They, they knew he was, I mean, he was born in a manger. He was, he was born in a, in, a, in a barn. And yet, for some reason, people are thinking so highly of him, and they're, and they're starting to follow him. And as he walks, it just seems like a magnet. And he draws people to himself and he, he claims to be the Messiah. He's claiming to be the Christ. He's claiming to be the chosen one of God, the, that star uh, of Bethlehem that would one day arise and save his people. He's claiming to be deity. He's claiming to be the fulfillment of Old Testament scripture. And, and you and I, we've heard of the people, even in our era, of people who claim to be the Messiah and claim to be a Savior. And we call them wackos. And we call them a cult. And we, and, we, uh, and we shun them. And we push them away. Imagine back then they did the same. 
as people one by one would flock to the Savior and, and, uh, and, and, uh, and they would believe that he were the Messiah and he were deity and he was the Christ. He quickly became famous and his fame was quickly spreading across the land. I mean, he shows up to that first uh, wedding that he was invited to. He comes to the wedding and, and they run out of, of, of wine in the day. And the wine, they're talking about grape juice. The next verse makes it clear it was not alcoholic wine. But they run out of wine or run out of grape juice. And, and the, the, the wedding party gets concerned because they felt like they had not prepared for the crowd well. And they were, they were bothered by it. And, and Jesus said, well, just bring me some water. Bring me some buckets of water. And he miraculously turned that water into juice or into wine for the guests. Well, that did not help the problem that we are now facing. The problem was not now just that this man who says his name is Jesus and this man who claims to be the Messiah and, and people are now starting to follow him, but all of a sudden now he's some sort of a, 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 a miracle being. He's some sort of an, an amazing uh, a, a, a supernatural being. And his crowd begins to grow. The people begin to flock to him everywhere he goes. Matter of fact, the, it got to the point that people heard that he was even coming to town. They would line the streets and wait for him. They would gather in great crowds and, uh, and, and follow him and throng him as he walks through town, hoping to maybe get a glimpse of him, hoping to reach up and, and touch his garment, hoping to see some miracle that might be done by him. He goes by a funeral procession and the widow's son lie there dead and Jesus comes by, takes him by the hand and lifts him up and he stands up and life comes back to him. He starts walking again and his crowd begins to multiply. He goes by and there's blind men sitting on the side of the road and they ask him, they ask him, hey, what's all that noise? And somebody said, it's Jesus of Nazareth passing by. And these blind men, they jump up and they begin to cry out, Jesus, have mercy on us. That son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus come by and healed their blinded eyes. And his fame grew. He would go one by one and cast out demons out of the out of people and, uh, that, were, that were lunatic. And his crowd and his fame would begin to grow. Thousands of people hungry on the side of a hill with nothing to eat. Been there for three days following him. And then he sits them down and, and pulls up a, a few loaves of bread and a few small fish. And, and with those, he breaks up enough food to feed thousands of people. Imagine the crowd as they leave that place talking about who this man must really be. His fame is spreading unbelievably. His massive following is growing day by day. Those that are loyal to him become more loyal to him than the powers that be. The kings and the governors and the soldiers and the laws of the land, they, they were following Christ with a commitment beyond any other rather than following their own Caesars and their own kings. His following began to grow. And as it did, and as his fame began to spread, the people, uh, especially the authorities, got more and more concerned. They said, we've got to do something about this. This is out of control. This is out of control. He is taking over the world. And we can't have this. We cannot have him taking over like this. And so they, they come up with a plan. They said, I know what we'll do. We'll settle it once and for all. We'll exterminate him. We'll get rid of him. 
If we can just get rid of Jesus, I mean, he's only 33 years old right now, and uh, he's got another maybe 40 years to live. If, if he, This has been going on for just 33 and a half years. If we continue to let this go for 40 years, by the time he is done, the whole world's going to follow him, and we will have nothing left for ourselves. So they decided they would kill him. They hired Judas Iscariot for 30 pieces of silver. They hired him and said, if you'll turn him over to us, we'll pay you a, a lump sum of money. We'll give you the amount we'd give. We're buying a slave from you because that's all he is to us. And so they go to the Garden of Gethsemane that day. Of course, Jesus knew what was happening. He knew which direction it was going to go. He knew exactly what was taking place. But he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane with them. And as he's there, Judas comes over and places a kiss on his brow. The Savior looks at him and says, you'll betray me? Betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? Is that all you're going to do? Is that all you're, you're going to, really, that's all I'm worth to you, huh? Immediately in come the soldiers and in comes a great mass of people. In comes the enemy, if you will. Those who were the non-believers. Those who thought he was a problem rather than a rescuer and a problem rather than a savior. They came in with their torches and they came in with their ropes and they came in with their, their swords drawn and they, they came and they got Jesus and they, and they arrested him and took him into custody. They take him back to the governors and takes him before Pilate and, and they, they accuse him and, and they, they, they make accusations and they hire people to get their stories to, to, uh, to all uh, be unified so they could, uh, they could uh, uh, rightfully ease their conscience somewhat as they exterminate the Savior. They get together and their jury was an angry mob. They put it out for that angry mob and said, what will ye? We have to let somebody go. It's the, it's the custom that we do. We let somebody go at this time of year and, uh, during the Passover. Would you that I let go of Barabbas, uh, who is this uh, man that has committed insurrection and he's uh, uh, caused an uprising against the government. And this man who's a murderer and this man who you wanted in prison one day, Barabbas, would you, would you rather we let him go or let go of the one who's been going through and raising the dead and healing blinded eyes and casting out demons and has done nothing but gone about doing good? Who do you that wish that I release unto you and the angry jury the angry mob begin to cry out hey we release Barabbas let him go and crucify Jesus they handed him over and they took Jesus off and scourged him they hung him there even his disciples followed afar off. We read a moment ago, even all the women. that uh, It wasn't just Peter that followed, off, followed afar off. They all followed afar off. And they stood back to see what would happen. Here's the mighty one. The savior that, that was raising others from the dead, but he cannot save himself. Here's the one that was so famous and popular in the land. And had done so many great things. And here he is now, hanging uh, by his hands. And being stripped of all his garments. And, and, and being beaten so bad you can't recognize he's a human being. We got, we got blood everywhere and torn flesh. And bruises and swelling. And there he uh, hangs by his hands, hopeless and helpless. And even some of the believers begin to question. Is it really true? We thought he was the Messiah. We thought he were God. We thought he were the Savior. The unbelievers and the angry mob, they begin to howl yet the more. 
And they were cheering it on and they were so glad that finally we can get back to our normal life. Finally, we can get back to normality where people will go back to work instead of following this Jesus. And, and people will stop talking about him. They'll stop praising him. He's a nobody now. We're going to make sure of that. They lay a cross upon his shoulders and have him carry his own cross, his own execution chamber up a hill called Calvary. They take him up to the top of Calvary and they lay him on that cross and they put nails to his hands and nails to his feet and they, they fasten him to that cross with nails. They raise that cross up into the sky and, and drop it into a hole in the ground. And the Bible says they all sitting down to watched him there. They sat down to see what would happen now with this Christ. Hey, they come by and they spit on him. They say, ha, 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 you saved others. You can't save yourself. I mean, if you're really the son of God, come down from the cross. And they mocked him and made fun of him and spit on him and threw things at him. Yet he answered not a word. I think the disciples were very discouraged. The other believers who had followed him were now questioning their faith. They were now wondering, what is this all about? We thought he was the coming king. We thought that the, he was setting up his kingdom. We thought this was the end. What is going on? Have we been duped? Have we been deceived? Have we been changed? This can't really be. They crucified him that day. Pretty soon, Jesus himself gives up the ghost, lays down his own life, and is gone. It's over. Just to be sure, we take a spear and come by and stab it up into his side. And the blood and water begin to flow out. And yet there's not a movement. I think they begin to smile. I think they walked away and said, it's over. The cult leader is gone. It's done. They take him down from that cross. Finally, these radicals will stop. Finally, these fundamental radical followers of Jesus Christ, it's all over now. We're going to prove he was not the Messiah. We killed him. He was not the coming Christ. We killed him. He was not the Son of God. We killed him. We destroyed him. He's done. He's gone. Ha! And seemingly the devil had won. And I think Satan smiled real big and said, it's all over. He is gone, gone, gone. He's all gone. And we took care of that. So much for following him anymore. He is gone. Imagine, if you will, with me, the thrill of the anti-Jesus activists of the day. Imagine the thrill that they had as they pulled his lifeless body down. And I doubt they were being very fragile with it. As they pulled down his lifeless body off of that cross, Imagine as they, as they uh, uh, drag him off and hand him over to Joseph of Arimathea and say, you can have his body. Go ahead, do what you want. They want to bury it, bury it. We don't care because we're not going to bury it. We're going to leave it out here until the birds eat it. We don't care. Can you imagine this? Joseph of Arimathea takes that body. He was a disciple of Christ, but not real sure now. Maybe a little confused. I think you and I'd be doubting that day. We'd be wondering what's going on. I mean, we just have a bad day and we doubt him. They take him and drag him off and they put him inside of a tomb. And they leave that day. Oh, the anti-Jesus activists though. Man, woo, the party is on. I mean, imagine that night. Imagine the joy. 
Imagine the thrill that they're having. Imagine the, the, what's going on. The, the soldiers and the people and the governors and the howling mob, they all get together that night. I can see the torches lit around the, uh, around, around the property. I can see the bands playing and the music playing. I can see them sitting around and, and drinking their alcohol and drinking their wine and, and having a good old time. Hey, yeah, he said he was the Christ. We took care of that. I guess we'll find out what comes to those 12 disciples. We'll see what happens with his miracles. What about his stories and his parables and his, prop, his, uh, his uh, prophecies that will never come to pass? Boy, oh boy, I mean, they lived it up. There was dancing and there was music and drinking and laughter and joy and, and the party rolled on and I mean everybody who was against Jesus was there everybody who hated Jesus they were there everybody who was against him they were there and they were living it up and the party was on that night I'm sure but late into the night something happened I don't know when the Bible says that it was later that night maybe midnight one two three in the morning I don't know Maybe the party started winding down a little bit. People started getting tired and started going home and things began to calm down a little bit. But that night, they got that nervous hot flash. You ever get that nervous hot flash when all of a sudden you think about something like, oh no. Boy, you get that fear and that hot flash. You're like, I forgot about that. I didn't think about that. I got to take care of that. But that night, somebody got that hot flash. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We, we forgot something, folks. Hey, we forgot something. I mean, we're living it up. We're having a grand old time. We're having a great party, and, and he's gone and dead, and that's wonderful. I, I think we might have a little bit of a problem here. We forgot about something. We forgot he told us he was going to die. He also said on the third day he'd rise again. You know what? We got a problem here, folks. I think we got, let's wind the party down, have a business meeting. We got to figure out what's going on. We're having a problem here. The next morning, they went up and they come, come before, they get them all together and get all the authorities and the powers together, and get the soldiers together. And I'm sure they had a designated spokesman who stood up and said, listen, I called this emergency meeting today because we have a big problem going on. Yes, and I'm sure somebody said, what's the problem? What's the problem? It's the best day of our life. It's the best day we've ever had. We got rid of that heretic. We got rid of that cult leader. We got rid of that man who claimed to be Messiah. He's gone. What are you talking about? Life can only get better now. No, you, you forgot something, folks. We forgot that he said on the third day he would rise again. They came before the governor. They said, we need to do something about this. We need to seal that tomb off. We need to put a stone in front of it. We need to seal it. We need to put soldiers around. We need to be very, very careful. And this is why. Because if the disciples come in on that third day and steal that body, what we faced before will be nothing to what we're going to face after. What we thought we just exterminated and what we thought we went, just went through and we thought it was so bad, the following that he had and the loyalty that he had and the commitment that he had, we thought that was so bad. Let me tell you something. If they steal that body away and those few followers that he had believe that he rose from the dead, we are in a heap of trouble because it's going to get bad if they believe he rose from the dead. The governor thought about it. 
He said, you know what? You're right. You go and set a watch about it and put soldiers about that tomb in, and you seal it and shut it and make sure you make it as sure as you can. That cannot happen. We cannot risk having another problem like the one we just got done finishing. We just had a horrible problem here for several years of the insurrection of this man and this, 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 this person who had claimed to be Christ and what he has called. We, we can't have this happening yet again. Make sure the tomb and seal it and do not let those disciples anywhere near. They cannot have an opportunity to take his body away and claim that he rose from the dead. You know, you thought before he had followers, if he rises from the dead, that following is going to be uncontrollable. You thought they had, he had the loyalty of the people before. If he rises from the dead, that loyalty will be unmatched. You better be careful and seal that thing good. So what did they do? They went and sealed it. They went and sealed up that tomb. Why? Because they had a, a, he had a following beforehand. And uh, he said that, that, that the, the people that followed him, they were loyal. They were even willing to die for him. I mean, these people were people who took and left their entire fishing business and followed this man. These are people like Matthew and uh, Levi who were at the, at the, uh, the, they were the tax collectors and very wealthy, well-to-do like Zacchaeus, and they were willing to step away from their lucrative jobs and leave it all to follow this lying heretic. I mean, these people were loyal and loyal till death. They were out of control. They were spreading his message all over the place. They were going into town and telling other people, come and see a man that told me all things. I mean, this, uh, the, these people here, they were after his cause. They were spreading his gospel. They were spreading it like wildfire. And they'll be loyal all the way to death. I'm telling you something. If he rises from the dead, this will just intensify. And it'll be ten times worse. Put a seal upon it. So they did. They went and they... Sealed off the tomb. They put soldiers around those tombs. And they waited patiently. Day one, day two, day three came. Day three came. Some ladies came to, they wanted to anoint the body of Jesus. When they showed up, funny thing, that stone was moved. All those soldiers were sound asleep. Sitting on top of that rock was an angel. Everything's okay. <laughs> we got it under control. Oh, ain't no soldier going to keep him in a tomb. They came. They wanted to look inside, and the angel said, What are you doing? Why seek ye the living among the dead? <laughs> He's not here. He's risen. Amen. Don't you remember what he said? Don't you remember the, the words that he told you? They tear it down. He'll rise it up again three days later. Don't you remember? They went and they peeked inside the tomb. And sure enough, he was not there. He said, the angel said, well, don't just stand here. Go tell everybody. Go tell the disciples. Spread the word. Jesus is alive. Man, they left there and, and they went and, and told the disciples and, and they started spreading the news all over the land and Jesus himself eventually showed up and showed himself alive as, as living proof that he really were alive and you know what happened? They, they, uh, they, they got so concerned when those soldiers woke up, they went and hired people to tell a lie and paid them off to lie and say that the disciples stole him away. And even to this day, some people still believe that lie. And they said, they, uh, they hired them. Why? Because they were so scared and they were so nervous because if he were to arise, do you know how bad it was going to get? Yes, it did get. And guess what happened? It did get bad. 
Oh, it got bad for Satan and his crowd. It got bad for the, for the lost world. It got bad for the soldiers and the governors and those that hated him. It got bad for the man that was scourging him. It got bad for everybody because they realized now at one time they were followers, but bless God, now they're committed. At one time they were loyal for life, but now they're loyal till death and they'll stay faithful forever. Why? Because he arose from the dead. He's alive and well, and he was right. He was deity. He was the Christ. He was the Messiah. He, death could not hold him and hell could not keep him. Up from the grave he arose. A mighty triumph for his foes and he lives forever. Hey, bless God, you thought I was committed before. I'm committed forever now. And they served him for the rest of their life. Oh, they were they served till death. They got that gospel and they started spreading it like never before. I mean, before they followed him and they believed it. Now they're convinced. Now they're convinced. They watched him die. They saw the empty tomb. And then they met him by the Sea of Galilee. Whoa. <laughs> He's alive. He meets him in the upper room and has church on Sunday. Woo! That first Easter morning, there they are, meeting with Jesus. Wow! He's alive. Listen, they went and got their Bibles and a handful of tracts, and they went soul winning. I mean, they told everybody. They were spreading it, and they all became missionaries, and every one of them went to death for that Savior. Why? Because he was so committed. Uh, They were so committed to him. Why? Because he rose from the dead. 2,000 years later, you know what? We're still committed. 2,000 years later, we're still committed to that same Savior. Why? Because he rose and Satan's greatest nightmare happened. Jesus rose from the dead and there's no more falling away. There's no more questioning it. There's no more wondering for now. Hey, he lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives. He lives. Salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives? Because he lives within my heart. <laughs> no question about it, man. There's no question about it. We, hey, listen, we're not backing down. Why? Because he lives. Right, hey, go ahead, threaten us. We're not quitting. Why? He lives. Go ahead, put us against the firing squad and tell us you'll kill us if we don't deny the Savior. I'm sorry, but we can't do so. Why? Because he lives. Go ahead, tie us to a stake and threaten to burn us at the stake, but we're not turning back. Why? Because he lives. Go ahead and be like Nero and impale the Christian alive and stick him around your property and coat them in oil and light them on fire and have a living, live, burning Christians to light your drunken parties. But bless God, we're not stopping and we're not turning back and we're not denying why. Why? Because he lives. He lives. And we know he lives. And you cannot stop us. You cannot slow us down. You cannot make us quit. Why? We believe in a risen Savior today. He lives and I believe it. Oh, 2,000 years later. Guess what? We're going to keep standing for right. Why? Because he lives. You can't stop us now. Oh, before you thought they stood for right, you wait till he rises from the dead and you watch how strong uh, the, the Christians stand for right. They'll stand till death. Why? Because he lives. You're not going to hold us down and force alcohol down our throat for Christians. Why? Hey, I'll tell you why. He lives. And you have to kill me first before you get me to do wrong. You're going to kill me first before you destroy my life. You're going to have to kill me first before you get me to turn my back. I'm not quitting. I'm not stopping. I'm going to live for right. I'm living for God. I don't care if everybody makes fun of me. I'm going to wear a skirt to school. I don't care if they make fun of me. I'm going to talk decent. I'm going to sit up in class. I'm going to pay attention. I'm going to obey my parents. I'm going to do right. I'm going to obey the Bible. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to be faithful. Why? Because he lives. That's why. And I'm committed till I die. I'm saying what's 
Jesus rose from the dead, they have a bigger problem now. Oh, the world's got a bigger problem. Their party lasted for about 12 hours. And then they got a real big problem. Jesus might rise. And when he did, guess what? Now, we'll continue to fight the world. You want to know the number one problem the world has? Us. You want to know the number one problem that abortionists have? Us. You want to know the number one problem that the bars and, 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 and dope joints have? Us. You want to know the number one problem that the, the drug cartels have? Us. You want to know the number one problem that the homosexuals have or the, or the uh, uh, child molesters or the, or the thieves or the murderers or anybody else in this world? Us. You know the number one problem that the people trying to teach evolution have? Us. But matter of fact, the Bible says if they're going to keep having that problem until we're taken out of the way. When we're finally taken out of the way, the whole world can just go all evil. But until then, they got a problem. You know what it is? Those Christians, look up here, those Christians who are not just followers, but now they're committed, loyal to death people. Why? Because he lives. Because he lives. Hey, listen, today we'll spread the gospel at any cost. We'll spread the gospel at any cost. You know, I dare say there's people in this room, probably most everybody in this room, that if you had the opportunity right now to save somebody's soul from hell, but in exchange you had to burn your house to the ground, I don't think there's very many people, if anybody in this room would even hesitate, they light a match and burn it and save a soul. You know why? We're committed. We believe in the cause. We'll spend any cost to spread that gospel. I mean, we'll pack up everything we own and, and, and put it in a garage sale and sell it all and leave it all behind and grab a Bible and go to another country and preach the gospel as a missionary. We have no problem sacrificing our Sundays and our Wednesdays and our Saturdays and our Mondays and our Tuesdays and our Wednesdays and Thursdays and Fridays and sacrifice it all to be in God's house or to spread his gospel or to tell somebody about Jesus. Why? Hey, we're committed because he lives and we'll spread that gospel at any cost. We have no problem carrying a Bible out in public. In fact, we had a teen activity at the mall the other day. And uh, uh, we did a scavenger hunt. I was so proud to see a group of our teenagers. Never, nobody told me anything. Nobody said anything. They carried their Bible all through the mall. Why? We're committed. Because he lives. Why would I be ashamed? He lives. And you, you can go ahead and make fun of me, but guess what? When it's all said and done, I'll be making fun of you. Go ahead, tease me now. But when it's all said and done, we stand before our judge, and I get accepted into heaven, and you die and go to hell, you'll, 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 you'll stop laughing. So I'll sacrifice a little right now. That's okay. I'll pay the price right now if I can be a witness to somebody. And if I can be a, a help to somebody, I'll, I'll gladly walk that line. And I'll walk in humility. I'll even follow it all the way to death if need be. I have no problem with that. Why? Because he lives. He lives. He lives. The world has a greater problem today than they had back then. Because back then they had followers while he was alive. But when he rose from the dead, he has now created something nobody can stop. It's a wildfire. It's a loyal commitment. And you cannot beat a Christian away from God. Can't do it. They've tried for thousands of years, and they can't do it. And they get so angry. One by one, I think of the missionary. They took him, and he's in another country, and they captured him. I think it was a Buddhist country, if I remember correctly. But they said they, they told them, they said, want to 
You're going to deny your Savior. He said, I'll not do so. One by one, they took a pair of wire cutters and they cut off one knuckle, the end of a finger. They gave him a chance to deny. He refused. They cut it off at the next knuckle. He refused. They went to the next finger. And knuckle by knuckle, they cut off. One by one, cut his fingers off. And every time they gave him a chance, he said, we're going to keep going until you deny Christ. And he sat there as strong as, as he could be. He said, I'll not deny my Savior. He lived for me. He died for me. He's alive. I'll not deny him. One by one, they cut off all the fingers, knuckle by knuckle on both hands. And then they cut off his wrist. Then they went and did the same thing with his toes and cut him off of the ankles. And, and finally went to the elbows so the man finally bled to death. And he died. And they were furious. They were so angry they could not get him to recant. Why? Because he's serving a living God. And today we are serving a living God. We're not serving an icon. We're not serving a dead idol. We're not serving some fictitious uh, a person in the sky. Bless God, we're serving the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who died and conquered death and hell and rose again three days later I'm saying hey Christian rejoice and live it up and thank God and praise him why he's alive and well today Amen. Satan has a real problem on his hands because now he has an army he cannot stop and that's us are you committed to your army are you in do you believe because if you believe I don't see how you could believe and not be all in. I don't see how we could believe and not be fully committed to the Savior. Let's bow our heads this morning. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning.